1: Welcome to the
2: Friday Detroit podcast, the POD cast. We're back for another week. Another Detroit Lions loss, back to their losing ways. I suppose you could say after tying last week, Lions finish uh, the road trip around the AFC North with a 13-10 loss to the Cleveland Browns. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm filling in for Chris Perfett as your adequate host this week. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. Let me introduce you to our other two guests this week. As always, we have got senior editor of Pride of Detroit, and rock god, Ryan Matthews. At Ryan underscore
1: POD on Twitter. Ryan, how are we doing this, say, this evening? This evening? You know, was it, was it me, or did that game just seem like it took forever? Yeah, a little bit. It dragged it, it, on. It did drag on. Like, lots of penalties, lots of, yeah, I don't know. It, it seemed like it took a lot longer than it needed to take.
2: I think I part guess is of my it. Point is that it just feels like a continuation from last week. Like it's just a sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth quarter from last week. Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) way too much. It's way too much of that football. Uh, And also with us to break things down, uh, our, our social media manager, our writer, kind of our Jack of all trades. John Whitaker at Whitaker on Twitter is with us. John, thanks for filling in tonight.
3: Happy to be here. I wish I was talking about a happier outcome, but that's the life of a Lions fan.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is about uh, par for the course at this point, but uh, let, let's jump right into it because I, I do mention that it felt a lot like last week in, in a lot of ways, at least to me. Um, you know, the Lions run into a team that's not playing particularly well. They're not getting good quarterback play. The, the, the game is there for them to take. Uh, and they don't take it. And last week, I feel like a lot of the the complaints were around Jared Goff, right? Playing injured, didn't play well, wasn't accurate, wouldn't test the defense downfield. We we get Tim Boyle this week, and it's basically the exact same offense w- without any, like There's a, they, they don't do the sixth offensive line guy as, as often, but in terms of passing game, the exact same thing. And so now I feel like the scapegoat of this game seems to be on the coaching staff, and I want to throw it to you, Ryan. First, do you think that's fair?
1: Um, not entirely. Like I, I think that they do deserve their fair share of of the blame uh, for for this game. Some of them deserve some praise, and I think we'll we'll get around to that. But um, I, I think, large in part, my 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 big takeaway from today's game, and you know, through the first. Um, You know, through the first 10 games of the season, it to me, this is just a really almost like talentless team. Like they are devoid of talent at so many different key positions. You know, the most important one being quarterback. And I think for so many years, that was just a given, like it was something you could count on as a lions fan. And this is the first year that the lions have really had to, you know, lions fans, you know, people around the team, this team, this organization has had to do with this in in a decade. And. You know, we found out today that the grass isn't always greener on the other side, you know, going from Jared Goff to, to Tim Boyle. But I, I think that a lot of what I'm understanding about this team is that they just don't have a lot of talent and how many. How many games in the NFL are just flat out coaching wins? Like how many just end up being flat out coaching wins? So I I I don't know if I can say like this was an entirely a coaching loss, but I I think that there there is some uh there is some fair criticisms of Dan Campbell, especially to to be uh wielded. You feel the same way, John?
3: I'm a little bit different and what you mentioned uh starting off the podcast was that it felt like a continuation of last week and the thing that this game and the last game have in common is that dan campbell was at the helm of the play calling right and oddly enough this these past two games are ones that have kind of shaken my faith in dan campbell i think he's made some questionable calls now when it comes to being aggressive versus conservative It's hard to take into account the fact that this Lions offense is so bad because it's kind of a double-edged sword. On one hand, you want to be more aggressive because this offense might not have opportunities to score again. We saw that when they opted to go for a field goal instead of a touchdown. Uh, I think it was in the fourth quarter. Yep. Yep. But on the other hand, the offense is so bad, it's like, Do you even trust them to convert something like that for a normal offense, you know, fourth and one, that should be pretty easy. But for this Lions team, maybe not. Nothing is easy. And Yeah, nothing comes easy to this team. And I think there is a positive. The Lions have been a little bit more successful with their run game the past two weeks. I mean, we had Andre Swift go for over 100 yards in back-to-back games, which I think was the first time since the early 2000s. 2004, yeah. 2004 yeah and you know there's some credit there but at the same time you have to notice that other teams are honing in on this um a good tweet here uh miles garrett uh he said uh browns miles garrett on if he was surprised the lions ran on third and 14 late in the fourth quarter no we saw that last week against the steelers they will run it from third and 2 to, or third and 12 them rushing on third and 14 did not surprise us at all and that's kind of the problem the lions they've played their hand. All they have going for them is the run game. And when you can't throw it downfield, that's going to limit your opportunities. Yeah.
2: It's going to make you very one-dimensional. And I guess uh, to me, so, I mean, we can roll through some of the the criticisms of, of the coaching staff in this game. I think the first one probably comes with whatever the two minute drill was at the end of the first half, you know, the lines get the ball with about a minute, 10 left three timeouts and just kind of laxadaisically make their way downfield. They get, they're, they're not, they're not moving the ball particularly well. They're they're just utilizing the middle of the field. They're running the ball a little bit. They get a 15 yard penalty and eventually they throw it to TJ Hawkinson with 10 seconds left and no more timeouts left and the clock runs out like that. Just, yep. it, I mean, it, it, it speaks to really the problem that was the entire game. It's just like, they can't throw it down the field. And, and in that instance, it didn't really seem like they tried all that much either. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe this is just like all part of the bigger discussion. Maybe we don't need to go one one by one situation here because I think my issue is that I don't like that the Lions are resigned to the fact that they're a bad offense. I don't like because it seems to me like they're just not even
1: trying anymore. I don't think Dan Campbell would agree with that though. Like I think that he would agree with they're a bad passing offense. Sure, right. But I
2: don't. I don't even like being resigned to that. Like we'll figure it out then. Don't just say third and 13, that we're done. Might as well throw here's away this possession. That, like that's, here's that's one thing that I really don't behavior like. To me.
3: Here's something I really don't like. It was at the end of the game, what would eventually go down as the Lions' last drive, third and 14, they run a draw up the middle. Yep. Like I know that's been your successful play. I know that Dondre Swift had a really long touchdown run. That just screams giving up. I know it, it's sad that we're at the point where that's probably the best play the Lions can draw up, but the odds of converting that is so low, and I think the thing that makes it worse is that then they punt on the next play. I feel like at right. that point you should be in do or die situation. So if you take that draw play, I think you almost have to go for it. But then, not only do they draw on third down, they still punt it away and they never touch the ball again. To me, that's that's my big issue because I, I get what he's saying about what gives the team the best chance of winning. I just feel like in today's NFL where you really need a passing offense to do much, it's just problematic.
1: Well, then they really need a quarterback because here's the other yeah. thing, the, the the thing that I, here, here's the thing that I, I'll play devil's advocate. Here's the thing that I do understand with the third and 14 draw play is that if it, if it gets a little bit more yards, I wonder if Dan Campbell thinks about going for it there. Sure. If it's not fourth That's and true, nine. Yeah. Because maybe, mm-hmm. maybe if it's fourth and four or fourth and three, maybe they can dial up some kind of run or they can do something again and try to go for it that way. Or maybe it's a short pass, Cause that that's where it seemed like they could still, they were still trying to do things right. They were still trying to operate the passing offense in, you know, like you mentioned in the postgame show, Jeremy, it was fake a screen to one side, throw the screen on the other side, or they were short slant routes or, right. you know, the only time that the ball really went downfield and was completed was the, the TJ Hawkinson play up the scene. Um, you know, for, for a big gain of like 20 some odd yards. Like that was, that was it. And I, I I just think the devil's advocate to like the third and long and Miles Garrett and I being surprised by it because the tape is out there and, and, you know, Dan Campbell played his hand last week. Like the lions are going to continue to play their hand because of what they have under center. Like it, it's always going to come back to that because if, if you want to take shots downfield on third and nine and third and eight and third and 10, like you need to have receivers who are going to create separation. You need to have a, a, a quarterback. I mean, how many of the throws that, you know, Tim Boyle threw today, how many of them were accurate downfield? Not many. I know there I mean, are, I, don't, I, 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 don't, I know I don't. there's not a ton. I'm I know trying to count a, to yeah. From. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I know there's not a ton to choose from, but it, it seems like running the football gives this team its best chance to win. Because he, he, here's the other thing they tie last week. They lose by three points in this game. I think it does come down to like some coaching decisions by like not going for it on fourth and one, but counterpoint to that. I mean, you can drop a better play than the Cabinda dive. Like they did on third and one and got hey, completely stuffed. They got, they
2: did get 20 yards out of Cabinda on one play. Let's, let's not super I, back. I, all right. Let's let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's chill on the Cabinda. hate. no, no as soon as that <laughs> play
1: happened, I put him in my stock up.
2: So <laughs> But I I guess my problem is I don't think if I don't I don't know that running the ball gives them the best chance to win because they had the most winnable games on the schedule these past two weeks based on the performance they got from the other team. The Steelers were horrible. The Browns were horrible. Both teams did everything they possibly could do to hand that ball hand that game to the Lions and it didn't work because the Lions were too conservative. The Lions just and and listen like I I'm with you all the way. This team does not have a lot of talent. This team does not have a good, good quarterbacks willing to throw the ball down in the field or, or whatever, but this is the NFL. Like we're talking about professional football players. We're talking about guys like Swift and Hawkinson. And I do think Josh Reynolds, I know he didn't have a good game. We're going to talk about that a little bit in the second game, but the talent guys I'm is a talented guy. Those are three or four weapons that you should be able to create a passing offense from that. Isn't just as one dimensional throw it,
1: within two yards of the line of scrimmage thing, like they need to be better. Coaching needs to be better. They need to figure something out. I'll I'll let John get to it, but real quick, I'll say that wide receiver number one wasn't on the team in the beginning of November.
3: You know what I mean? Like it's just a
1: revolving door. So that's, I mean, that's, that's problematic. That's troublesome because think about how much chemistry uh, a quarterback needs to develop with his weapons. And we saw what kind of effect that had today when, you know, Tim right. Boyle thought DeAndre Swift was going to sit in that zone 100%. instead of carrying out. 100%. I mean, that's just not getting reps. And Tim Boyle somebody who just got activated from IR. So, I mean, that's where we're at with it. Like, we have guys who aren't on the same page, and we're really churning over some talent here.
3: Yeah. I, I think, though – The Lions, it's almost like the Kobayashi Maru in Star Trek. (laughs) It's an unwinnable situation. I realistically don't think that, given the pieces that are on the chessboard right now, I I don't think there's any way the Lions can win. Uh, I mean, they might win a game, but I'm talking about be successful, right? Like nothing they have on the roster is going to result in a sustainable offense, an incredible defense, nothing that's going to make you a Super Bowl contender. And I think that's kind of the point where we're at with the Lions, and I think that's also kind of what we expected because we all know we, we've we been har- harping on the fact this is a rebuild, this is a rebuild. I think there's enough like positives that I've seen on the team where it's like, you know, in the future when they have a few more pieces, there might be more to work with. But I think for this year, I hate to say it, but you almost have to like throw all the results out the window. You want to look at individual performances because I think right now just the sum of the pieces isn't really good enough. And how many of these guys are even going to be on the team next year, right? You've got to focus yeah. on the uh, improvement of your key pieces. And that's, and, and you know, as much as I'm criticizing coaching in this game, I, I do
2: feel like it's important to keep all of that in perspective because no one, at least in this panel right now is calling for Dan Campbell's job. No one is saying this was an unacceptable performance. You got to go. Like we under, we all understand. And, and here's the thing, like Dan Campbell is speaking in very coded words, but he is also saying like, listen, we're a crappy team right now. And the way he's saying it, and he keeps saying it over and over again, which I think is kind of funny is he keeps saying like, listen, we can't, we we're not the kind of team that can overcome a mistake or two. And that's it. That's his way of saying we're shitty. We suck. And so we're going to play super conservative ball so that we don't have a, a turnover that kills us or a pick six or a penalty and, and, they had a lot of, they had all those things pretty much other than a pick six in this game because it was very, very sloppy, especially in that first half. Um, But, but I do think like we, I mean, we, we brought it up last week because they made the change in play calling. What do we make of Anthony Lynn in his future right now? Because it feels like it's on thin ice right now. And, and that, that's something that I think the Lions could consider moving on from in one week or in one year, because I don't know, like what, what positives were there when Anthony Lynn was play calling and what, what development have we seen out of anybody? Like maybe Swift has is developed a little bit as a rusher this year. Other than that, like, I don't know who's really developed.
1: Yeah. I, I think you take a look at the offense and the things that they did in the beginning of the season with Anthony Lynn that I thought were interesting were, you know, putting them on Ross St. Brown in the backfield, like mm-hmm. in a, like in a, you know, split yeah. wide shotgun formation and, um, or a split back formation with like Swift or something like that. Or, um, you know, I I think even before, uh, even before Dan Campbell took over, you know, play calling pulling Swift over to the other side of the offensive line and having him set up as like an extra blocker on one side, like Anthony Lynn did some like, interesting things and some route concepts. I mean we, we, we I talk agree. all we talk all the time about like you know uh Goff's inability to hit some of these receivers that he does have open because of those play concepts but I Jeremy I I I don't think I can push back really on like which players have seen progression. And you know it it, it pains me to say this, but like maybe the Lions best receiving option, like he's just stayed stagnant and that's TJ Hawkinson. It's, it's one of those things where like, there really hasn't been any progress with him when I think all of us were kind of counting on him to be like, you know, in the same air as talking, you know, Travis Kelsey's and and Darren Waller's and, you know, George Kittles. Like we, I think a lot of us anticipated him making that leap and it hasn't happened. Right. And I mean, part of that is just like, no, no supporting cast. Like he had a supporting
2: cast in previous True. years. Got nothing. Right. So we know defenses are, are keying in on him. Um, the last thing I want to get to before we, we go to our first break here, and it's actually mentioned in the, in the comment section, and it's something I talked about in the post game shows. I feel like they're, they're kind of in a like weird spot. You know what I, I would continue to talk, but I have been muted by our chat who donated $80 by Jason who decided to mute
3: me. So you guys
2: are going to have to figure bring out up who, the comment. Nope. You guys are oh. going to have to figure out what to talk about for the next 60 seconds. So
3: good we're going to, we're going to have to carry it. Okay. Um oh this this is intimidating, intimidating. Well, hmm. so here here here's here's
1: one thing that I want to ask you, John. Um it's kind of the same question that Jeremy just asked me, but what do you think Anthony Lynn does now in this offense? Like what do you see his role being if his if he's
3: not making the play calls? It's really hard to say because I feel like when you're looking at this offense, it's kind of like a chicken or the egg thing. It's like, which one came first? In which case, which is the problem? Is it the talent or is it the coaching? I I mean, obviously it's going to be a mix of the two, but I'm at the point where I haven't really seen enough of anything from Anthony Lynn to really feel that confident about. I still think that putting the entirety of the blame on him is not going to fix anything. Like if you just go out and fire him, it's not going to solve your problems. You need to add way more to it. But at the same time, I kind of mentioned it's about promise, right? There needs to be these little plays that, you know, maybe if you can extrapolate that over the course of an entire season, maybe it will help out. But at this point, those are just too few and far between.
1: Well done, John. Well, that, was, that was a great job covering for me. <laughs> Jeremy, I want to ask you a question now. Yeah. Um, do you think that there's any chance and would you be interested in Deuce Daly taking over play calling duties?
2: I mean, I don't know. Um, that's, that's a tough question to answer because mm-hmm. he also doesn't have the, the play calling experience of, of really anybody, but I mean, I guess I'm not against it. I'm, I'm not against trying anything at this point because, and, and that's going to lead into the point I was going to try to get into is like, it seems like this team was trying neat things early in this season. They were trying, they were, they were saying like, listen, we know we're bad. So we're going to go at them. We're going to do crazy stuff against the Rams because we know we're, we're dug in a hole. But then they get into these other games with, where they think they're going to be close and then they get conservative. And that's, to me, the frustrating part is like, you know, when you're the, the odds are stacked against you, you're you're throwing everything against the wall. But when you actually have a chance to win a game, you're like, we got to be careful with this. This is this is a precious little
1: thing. We can't we can't hurt it. How how exactly. how, how much of that, though, do you think is we're oh and we're oh and seven, we're oh and eight. We're oh eight and one. And we're we're gonna try to we're gonna try to hold on to any kind of hope and we're gonna press and push in in a different way because oh, we're so close. Like let's not do something like two out of the But who cares if you if you if you if you go balls to the wall and get blown out. Like who cares? I, it's, yeah, house house money, right? Yeah, I guess my my analogy though is like, do you want to just like sim, sim, simply like slip and fall on your butt, or do you want to like slip, do a backflip and land on your face? Like, <laughs> B. Like B. one is way more embarrassing than the other. Option two, a hundred percent. It's more war. fun
2: for us for sure, right? Like that Rams game was fun as hell.
1: These know, games are just Tim like Boyle throwing the football yeah. is fun. Listen,
2: I'll take a but free-
1: same- I'll, I'll take a flea flicker at this point, Ryan. That's how desperate oh, no. for something God. interesting. Oh, oh no, bad. something's this gone wrong bad. with Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, somebody, somebody call the hospital.
3: There, There is a bit of truth to that though. Cause like, I can't really think of any overly creative plays from this game. I mean, even the, the Swift draw, I think that was more just about good blocking and good running from Swift. Like. The Browns, they had that wildcat from Jervis Landry. Um, it was really an unremarkable game. The,
2: the closest the thing the they've field. come to a creative play all in the past two weeks was the one play in over the first play of overtime, when they had Amon on the backfield. And then yeah. he came out and, and ran a, a great route and they, they gained 20 yards on it. Everything else has just been like, the same thing we've seen it's just like nothing it's 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 the double screen it's it's draw plays and it's just so boring and so bad and it's not working and like even i mean how long have we been crying for a hundred yard rusher and now we got it in back-to-back games we're like this offense sucks <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's almost like the... running the
3: football is overrated uh, i was gonna say we sound,
1: sound like the most ungrateful kid on christmas <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into some individual performances. Coaches have the rest of the podcast off. We'll, we'll let all the the narratives and things play out in the in the media over the next couple of days. Uh, but we want to talk about some individual performance. We'll talk about Tim Boyle. We'll talk about DeAndre Swift. We'll talk about Josh Reynolds and maybe some other guys on defense as well. So stick with us on the POD cast. We'll be right back.
0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we
2: are back here on the PODcast, recapping a Lions loss to the Browns 13-10. Another pretty ugly game. We were just talking about the coaching, but let's move over to the players here. Talk about some player performances. And I want to start on the offense. Obviously, Tim Boyle was the main storyline going into this game. Uh, people were just eager to see what was going to happen when with Jared Goff not in the game. Jared Goff being the sacrificial lamb of that first game or the first eight games nine, 10 games, whatever, Tim Boyle comes in. Story doesn't look all that different, but let's deep, let's dive a little bit deeper into what you guys thought of his overall performance just in general in this game. Uh, I'll start with you, Ryan. What do you, you think of Tim Boyle's first career NFL start?
1: Um, I, I think it confirmed, uh, when it had the opportunity, I think it confirmed a lot of the suspicions that we had about Tim Boyle in training camp is mm-hmm. that the guy can throw the ball pretty hard, um, but it isn't always accurate. And it was inaccurate in a lot of ways today. I mean, there were balls that were skipped or there were balls at receivers feet. There were balls that were over receivers heads. Um, But at the same time, he didn't get a whole lot of help from his receivers and the, you know, I think the guy that I want to talk about already is like Josh Reynolds. Like there was an opportunity where I think Josh Reynolds had had a chance to go make a play and get a ball and, you know, he didn't end up doing it. And uh, it it was more than that with Josh Reynolds, but to to keep things, you know, confined to to Tim Boyle, I think that it was a lot of what we suspected, even though I think all of us secretly wanted something more, right? All of us secretly wanted to be like, okay, like maybe maybe we can get Tim Boyle again and maybe we can get Tim Boyle one good game and that he can take into another game. Cause I think the other thing that needs to be said is it seems like it's pretty likely that Tim Boyle is, is the guy going into Thanksgiving Yeah, or Dan Campbell. Well, yeah, Campbell said Campbell, Campbell left it
2: pretty open. Schefter said in Sunday morning, like it's, it seems like a a long shot or something, but yeah, it it looks like we're at least going to get one more Tim Boyle day.
1: Yeah. Like, I I think like in the post game or something, like I thought Dan Campbell said something along the lines of, you know, Jared Goff, like would be our guy, like if he's ready, but he said something like he's planning on leaning on Tim Boyle for Thursday.
0: Okay. So
1: I, I don't know. Like, obviously I want to hear hear John's thoughts
3: about uh, Tim Boyle's performance. It's, it's tricky because Honestly, I don't think the offense looked all that different with Tim Boyle. Um, right. There's still a lot of short passing. I think coming into the game, you mentioned um, we were kind of hopeful because one of his strengths is his arm. And we were kind of hoping that, oh, you maybe that will result in them throwing downfield more. Uh, but looking at the play-by-play, uh, ESPN, they have literally one pass from Boyle that is listed as deep. <laughs> and that was intercepted. <laughs> so... I'll give him a little bit of a break because I think on that play, Josh Reynolds didn't make a good play for it. It was kind of a gunslinger throw by Boyle, but it was, it was catchable. Um, unfortunately, we can't really say that much about the rest of the game. It was just really lackluster, a bunch of short passing. Um, really, it didn't look all that much different from when golf was in the game and like looking at the passing yards, he finished with 77 yards. Like I, I, I don't care how, talented your arm might be. You're not an NFL quarterback if you're only getting 77 yards in a game. Uh,
1: the, the one thing I want to say is the TJ Hawkinson pass <clears throat> that he caught up the seam that I had mentioned earlier, that was probably his best pass. And my God, that's something that we just saw like routinely on a drive by Matthew Stafford. <laughs> like, yeah. That's how starved we are for good quarterback plays. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. I I mean, I'm not gonna be
2: too hard on Boyle. I, I don't think he, he didn't like like you guys have been saying like he didn't really get a chance to do too much in this day. Like the the game plan was the game plan, which I mean, last week we were using the excuse that it was the rain and and it was Goff's injury, but it's clear like this is just what they want to be right now and what they what the only thing they think they can be. And so didn't get a ton of opportunities. The two interceptions are, are tough on him, like you guys said. Josh Reynolds probably didn't get his best, give his best effort on that one, though. It also wasn't a particularly great throw either. Like there was, there was room on the inside. He threw him outside probably threw Reynolds off a little bit in terms of his balance couldn't necessarily jump up and get it as, as much as he'd like to. The other interception is a miscommunication with, with Deandre Swift. And we've seen that happen before, right? Jared Goff had that same issue before. And so tough to really completely blame him on that one, but, Obviously that first one especially super costly when the lines are already in field goal position early in the game when they can put points on the board. Otherwise, like I guess it's worth noting that didn't take a sack. You know, that's something that we've complained week in, week out with Jared Goff is anytime there's pressure, he poops his pants a little bit and does a little spin move and, and takes a, a huge negative play. I think part of that is also pretty good play from the offensive line. But um, you know, I I, I don't think it was a Horrible performance. I don't think it was a great performance. I think it was probably on par with what I was expecting other than maybe like everyone else kind of crossing my fingers and thinking that he had maybe a bit of a, a gunslinger mentality to him that we didn't end up ever seeing.
1: For, for as bad as Voyle or sorry, for as bad as uh, the Fox broadcast was today, um, Lavar Arrington, especially. Yeah, I thought he made one good point. And the one good point was bringing up the, the single read kind of offense that Tim Boyle was playing today because there were even plays <clears throat> on those screens where LaVar Arrington was right. Like you shouldn't make that throw to that receiver because, or that, or that running back, because it's going to result in a negative play. The the defenders right there. It's like, right, not to have the wherewithal to throw the ball away or to do anything like that. Sure. Like I, mm-hmm. it, it, I, I feel like there were, there were massive, I, I think this is another thing to consider with, with Boyle getting his first career NFL start. I think the training wheels were really on for, for Tim Boyle in this one. And that leads me to my my question that I want to ask both of you guys. I'll start with you first, Jeremy. Do you think that David Blau deserves consideration to play on Thursday?
2: No, no, I I know Lions fans. I've seen basically since Jared Goff injury happened, they want Blau. We want Blau. We want Blau. I, I don't see a point in it. If I'm being completely honest, like, David Blau is, is never going to be more than a backup. And I don't mean that as an insult. Like, I think he knows that's his career trajectory. He's like, he's a clipboard holder. He's a guy that helps out in the, in the quarterback room. And that's fine. Like you can build out a pretty solid career doing stuff like that, but you're, you're not developing him to be a starter. You're not developing, developing him to necessarily even really be a backup. He's kind of that perfect third string guy. And so I think you still want to see what you got with Tim Boyle. I mean, especially the 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 thing you mentioned with the screen like that's just something that comes with experience like this this dude
1: has not played in NFL, in in a in a real football game in in 4 years <laughs> somebody um, somebody tweeted his 2020 uh highlight compilation and it was all him taking knees every single play was yeah, him right. taking <laughs> yeah backer's <that, laughs> <end> <laughs> knees <games.
2: laughs> so i mean like i'm i don't think this was a bad enough performance for, for them to say like all right we're we're done with you as our backup quarterback like no we'll give him give him more of a shot to actually I mean, I'd love it for them to actually like give him a game plan and and have him utilize this wicked arm of his that he supposedly has that Green Bay Packers beat writers seem to to be in love with. Um, yeah, give give him a real shot and see what happens. And maybe, I mean, listen, Thursday's game is indoors. We can't blame the rain next week. We can't blame the rain. We can't play the the wind, like throw the ball downfield. Maybe you'll have a, a week's worth more of experience with Josh Reynolds, a little more uh, chemistry with everybody. Cause even, even Boyle mentioned, like I didn't throw like this off season. I didn't, I never threw to Hawkinson. I never threw to Swift. Like these are guys that I wasn't throwing to in training camp because I wasn't getting those reps. And so like, he's still developing chemistry with all these guys. I don't, I don't know what everyone sees in David Blau that, that gets them so excited for football. I feel like maybe they forgot what happened two years ago when he had to start five games for this team. Give me, give me Tim Boyle and let, let's just at least see what he's got, man. Yeah. What about you, John?
3: I'm, I'm very much in the same boat. I've seen enough of David Blau. Uh, I mean, literally the first Lions game I ever attended in person was that <laughs> Thanksgiving game where he made his start. And, you know, there was that great play to Kenny Galladay and then kind of not a lot good. <laughs> and we don't, we don't have a Kenny Galladay. We don't have a guy who's even half as good as Kenny Galladay. All we have is people who are injured like Kenny Galladay. And... I, at this point, like I guess you can praise Blau's pocket presence. I think that was one thing I kind of noted about him. He was good at kind of escapability, but that's not really enough to win you games. Like He doesn't have a very strong arm. I'd say he's probably weaker armed than Goff. And honestly, I think if if Goff is healthy, I think you play him on Thanksgiving, but otherwise I think Boyle. I think honestly, if it wasn't for Boyle getting hurt at the start of the year, I don't even know if Blau would have made the roster.
2: It's a valid point. He might be he might be relegated to the practice squad the entire season if he made it there. But uh let's move on from uh from Boyle to who do you guys want to talk about? You want to Swift offensive line? You want to go into Josh Reynolds? Can can we talk Swift first? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I sure, think
1: I, I, I think if there's a player who deserves to be like a obvious, you know, game uh you know player of the game candidate, it's DeAndre sure. Swift, right? I mean, yeah. just uh, another incredible performance on the ground. And you know, th- there's a lot to be said for it. Even with you know his longest run being the 57 yard touchdown, the longest of his career, um, and, and doing you know the old the old Jeremy math. Yes. If I take if I if I take that <laughs> if I take that long away, and I divide his carries, um, you know that were you know 13, you know still still got a pretty good average, right? It's like yeah. up over mm-hmm. six.
3: He was running very hard today. Um, like there was one play, I think it was about a 10 yard carry or so. And I, in the past, we've seen him like when he gets contacted, he kind of just falls over, but he was, he was chugging along for a good few runs here. There, and I think you mentioned was, about There the
1: There's that one play, John, where he like reversed the field and, he was starting to run short on the field and he could sense it. And he like invited contact. Like he like cut up and got like an extra couple yards. And that was one play that really stuck out to me to to your point about like, it's a guy who doesn't really like invite contact and he shies away from it. And when it happens, he goes down.
3: Yeah. And I I think much better.
1: I I think we, I think,
2: you know, going back to the question that that I asked in the first time, which guys on offense have shown some progression. I think Swift might be the only answer. And it's, it's been a lot because I've been kind of critical of Swift over the first eight games of the season because he was averaging, what, like three, four a carry? Like, he was not being... Like, there was a reason why Jamal Williams had started all those games and was running a lot, but is because he was running a lot better. It was physical. He was decisive. Swift was none of those things. He was bouncing it outside. He was kind of flat-footed. He's starting to get it. And I'm starting to, to dig what, really what we're seeing out of all of these running backs, right? Like, we didn't get to see a lot of... um uh, Iguabuque in this game but like he showed a lot of promise last week we we saw what we saw to jamar last week like starting to really feel what deuce Staley is doing to that room and it really does start with deandre swift who now back-to-back 100 yard games and, and this game was like it was a way different way to get to 100 yards right like last week mm-hmm. he had 33 carries this week he had it on nine like it only took him nine to get 100 and i know there were some people critical of of maybe not going to swift earlier in this game but like they kind of, they, they tried, but there were so many three and outs. Like you can't give them the ball 25 times when you're going three and out all the time.
3: I think the most impressive thing about the fact that the run run game has been conducted in recent weeks is that they're doing it without Frank right now. Sure. I would say like far and away, he's probably the best interior offensive lineman on the team, probably the best offensive lineman on the team, I would say. And you know, Evan Brown, it's been doing pretty well. He got a little bit hurt, but he wasn't out too long, I think. So give credit to him because as we kind of mentioned in the past, Swift hasn't been really good running in between the tackles. Um, But, you know, when he got uh, pretty big holes uh, created by these offensive linemen, it definitely helps out.
1: Yeah. I, I think the other thing that was kind of a bummer about the running game was Jamal Williams return, Um yeah. you know, five, you know, seven carries for 11 yards. It, it didn't seem like he didn't seem like he had um maybe kind of like what he had been doing up to this point in the season where like he was running well between the tackles. Um I don't know how much of that had to do with, you know, Vitae going out and, you know, Brown going out and how limited they were in their ability to do that. Because I think the thing that coincides with John's point about, you know, how impressive it is that they're doing this without rag now getting Decker back, like, is it a coincidence that Swift has like back-to-back crazy games like that with, you know, two road graders on the outside where, you know, Swift can really do a lot of his damage. I I think that there's something to that.
2: I think there probably is. I I'm still still very frustrated by the running attack when it comes to short yardage situations that that is killing me because like we get all the
1: play kills me, man. It kills me. (laughs) Like the lead back dive, like Dan Campbell,
3: stop it. Like, (laughs) That is very early 2000s football.
2: Right. But I mean, it, it's, it's an issue beyond that, right? Like the Lions, the, the field goal drive. They, they had a third and two or third and three, and they run the ball on third and one, third and two. They only pick up one yard. And then they, they face that fourth and one-ish, two-ish. I think it's officially fourth and one, but it kind of looks like fourth and two to me. And they, and they kick a field goal. Like that's a critical play on third down that you don't convert. And it's a thing that good teams that, that can run the ball consistently convert easily. And, and you're not a hundred percent, you know, uh, effective on those kind of plays, but the lines seem to have been very bad on short yardage runs all year. Really. It feels like.
1: Yeah. When like when they've needed to gain. Yeah. Like yeah. I'd be interested to see like what their numbers are like on second and short when they run the ball, yeah. um, which I don't think happens too often is maybe why I can't right. think of it. Yeah. Too often. But what is this yeah. team picking up eight yards on first down? Right. Yeah. This team is not saying ahead of schedule <laughs> on their drives. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. Well, I, I think what goes to your point, though, is and this will be, you know, a good kind of transition as we, you know, move over to the defense in the next segment. But like you look at what like Nick Chubb did on that mm-hmm. last drive. Yeah. Like when they the needed could guards. never do that. No, I mean, Man I was I, I I was shocked too that Chubb. <laughs> Didn't go down in bounds on those two runs. Right. I was like, Kept why? why the are the I was like, <laughs> why are the Browns keeping the Lions somewhat in this game? But like, this is the quintessential. If Jeremy could get this from a running back, like the game that Nick Chubb had today twenty two carries, one hundred and thirty yards, and his long was fifteen. Jeremy would draft yeah. that player in the second round. Nope. Third, 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 that third, nope, third, third.
3: Well, that's How one of you. the key aspects that's really helping out the Browns is that Chubb is basically your closer. Right. And we saw this when the Lions, when the lions that, right? Yeah. Well, the, we saw this happen for many years when the lions had Stafford and they couldn't hold on to a lead late because they couldn't run the ball. Right. And if you have a guy who can dependably pick up four yards on a carry or break off a big play, like Chubb can, like it's going to tremendously help your offense. And at this point, the Lions—they're—they're they're never in a position where they're going to have leads very often, and they're just not good enough to catch up, and it's just a recipe for disaster. Especially when your strength is the run game, right?
1: Yeah, Chris Burke had a great tweet during the game where he was like, "When are the Lions going to score their touchdown that <laughs> makes it seem like they're in this game?" <laughs> and yeah. like that happened like five that's minutes the, later. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, that's just what the Lions do, though. Because to John's point, like they don't—they haven't shown that ability to like make a play when they need to make a play.
2: Yeah. Um, okay. So really quick, Josh Reynolds debut, zero catches on three targets. We, we talked about the interception where he probably could have given a bit big, better effort. He also gets a ball knocked loose early in the game on also not a great throw from Tim Boyle. He kind of has to jump up and get it. Um, any, any thoughts about him is, is it just bad quarterback play? Or is it just first game trying to get chemistry with guys? Are you concerned? about the Lions not getting him involved or the fact that maybe they threw... I mean, every downfield throw they went to was kind of to him, so that I guess maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. What do you yeah. think of Josh
3: Reynolds? This, uh, I think, what was it the stat was... I'm going to saying Brown was the only receiver to catch a ball on the yeah. day. Yep. Um, i it, It's tough to say, because one thing we, we mentioned with Josh Reynolds is that he has this supposed chemistry with Jared Goff, right? right and right. obviously... Obviously, you don't have that. Uh, Tim Boyle doesn't really have a lot of chemistry with anybody because he had that uh, hand injury, right? Yep. I think when it comes to the receivers, I, I th- obviously it was disappointing because the only receiver with a catch was Amon Ross St. Brown, four, uh, four catches, 18 yards. Reynolds, I would say, probably had a negative impact because uh, he took, a, I think, an 11-yard catch from St. Brown off the board. That's right. Uh, with a, yep. I think it was a pass interference, right? Yep. Offensive yep.
1: pass interference. Uh, Locked yeah. a little too early
3: on the play. Yeah, and then he had uh, his first one, I think it goes down as a drop, but it was also a, a decent play by the cornerback. Yeah. Um, but either way, it's still play you would like to see him come up with. For sure. And then, obviously, there was that uh, interception. Yeah. Um, Partly his fault, you know, up for debate with that. And then I think he had a third target, but I really don't remember what that was. So it, it could just be an instance of trying to get people up to speed. You know, there's a lot of moving pieces in the offense for, <laughs> for due to all the injuries that are happening. So it, it's tough. It's something that definitely warrants a rewatch to see maybe struggling with uh, separation or whatnot. Because it's also worth remembering that Titans weren't playing him, and it, you kind of are starting to see why they weren't. Right? I mean, the in is a pretty how much money did you get in free agency? He got uh, a decent a decent amount, and essentially just relegated to backup duties.
1: Yeah. Hey, say what you will about Josh Reynolds, drop pass, offensive pass interference. He made that tackle on the first uh, Tim Boyle interception.
3: So got hustled there. <laughs>
1: He's a Dan Campbell player. He's got a lot of heart, Jeremy, is what I'm trying to say. Uh,
2: okay. Uh, last oh, thing I want to talk about before we take a break and then talk about the defense to close things out, um, the offensive line. And the reason I want to talk about this is because that has been one of Dan Campbell's excuses for not passing the ball is, well, if, if we wanted to pass it deep, we have to have the pass protection to do it. And in this game, you're going against two pretty good pass rushers in Miles Garrett and uh, Jadavion Clowney. Well, guess what? Pass protection was, again, pretty damn Zero. good. Zero sacks. Zero sacks. Clowney was basically invisible the entire game against Penae Sewell. And Taylor Decker gave up a pressure to, to Miles Garrett. But Dan Campbell, here's the thing. Like, we're yeah. talking about how this offense is not talented. But they are in the trenches. And they are at some of their skill. Like, they have two or three skill position players you should be able to build a passing game around that. You should like, you can't have a quarterback who can throw the ball. I guess, I guess that's true. But like, (laughs) to me, it's just like, you got the piece, you got some of these pieces that you've been waiting to get back now. And so Taylor Decker, I not in the traditional sense of the word, he is a weapon. Sewell is a weapon. Utilize them. They're great players. And so you can't use the excuse that you're not, they're not getting the protection anymore. You got the protection. Take a shot. If if it takes 10 seconds for a receiver to get open, you might get that with these tackles. Give it a shot.
3: Let's see what happens. Especially next year once everyone's healthy, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously they lost they lost Vitae to concussion. I mean, we'll see what happens with that, but those are, you might be in doubt for the Thanksgiving game, right? Sure. So th- there's a lot of really good pieces to work with. And I think that was one thing that we kind of saw with, in the past, with Matthew Stafford, is that a lot of times the offensive line wasn't giving them a lot of time to do any damage. But if you if you have a quarterback who can you know step back and take some shots downfield, having an offensive line is basically uh, icing on the cake, right? And the Lions don't have anything to take advantage of that. I mean, sure they can run the ball every once in a while, but it's not really creating enough yards to do damage in the long term.
1: The the one other Cleveland Browns player who got pressure was zombie Malik McDowell what what the hell like right I, I mean the guy was essentially out of the league and then I remember like during training camp like with the browns this year like him you know making a huge you know impact and you know everybody kind of really taking notice I didn't think that he was such a player for them like he was in on a lot of plays he got that really bad roughing the passer penalty but um he was he was causing some problems especially in the run game I think too sure.
3: Yeah, I think, I think one, the one thing we have to note, one thing we have to note though about the offensive line is Jonah Jackson got penalized between quarters. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that before.
2: Yeah, apparently, according quarter. your to mom has seen Campbell, it before. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I, that's 15 yards.
2: <laughs> he said something about someone's mama and got a
3: 15 Jadavion yard. Jadavian Clowney's
1: mom. It was Jadavian Clowney's.
3: I yep. want to know what that was. I'm trying to think of an insult that would warrant that kind of penalty. Do you think it was I'm just curious. like a your Mama joke? Just like, I- yo, Jadavio, oh, when your mom so, sits around the house, it's so hard to tell with these taunting penalties, right? I mean, in the Chiefs game today, their running back got penalized for pointing at a defender as he was crossing the line.
1: Yeah, I, I saw the quote from Jonah Jackson. He said that they um, that they, like, made amends or something along those lines. Like, after, like, a couple plays later, they talked and they, like, came to like a respective mutual and on, understanding like, about it. Can't leave moms out of it. Well, no. no, but <laughs> my point is like, this is going into the whole like
2: taunting thing. Like the players are mature. They can, they can take care of that sort of stuff themselves. They don't need, they don't need mommy and daddy officials coming in and throwing 15 yard penalties. Cause one hurt the other's feelings. Get that crap out of this game.
3: Well, these are offensive and defensive linemen. They're banging into each other right. all game long. They're going to take it out one yeah. way or another.
1: The, uh, Dan Campbell did seem like he was kind of annoyed in his response um, when he was telling reporters about uh, why Jonah Jackson got the penalty. But like the thing he did end his quote with was something along the lines of like, yeah, like both teams were doing a lot of talking. There was. I thought yeah. who, there was a lot of jawing. Will on.
2: Harris. Will Harris was yeah. very close to getting a penalty in this game because he was doing a lot of chirping on that side. Of the line. We saw Pena do a little more chirping in this game as well
3: yeah oh yeah that was after the uh, swift touchdown right
2: yeah 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 anyways we're getting a little off topic here long story short nfl get rid of your taunting penalties you, you pansies Let, your mom, let's play some football Mom's a pansy your mom's a pansy all right <laughs> when we come back we're going to talk about the lions defense who did not put in a pansy like effort this game in holding cleveland scoreless in the second half so we'll get to what worked what didn't work and why they were so successful when we come back on the pod cast And we're back finishing out the podcast recapping Lions Browns before we get into it. I just want to mention uh, if you haven't already, please follow us on all of the uh, podcast platforms to listen to and give us a review. It's been a while since we've gotten any new reviews. Uh, we always like to see feedback. Five stars is always appreciated, but obviously be be honest with yourself, too. So um, just want to throw that at the top. Let's get into the Lions defense as promised. Uh, they've put up two okay performances back to back. You look at at least points scored 16 last week, uh, 16 this week. Uh, so, or, I'm sorry, 13 this week. So, I guess my question to you is how much of this do you believe? How much do you think the Lions are punching above their weight class here? How much of it is just bad quarterback play on the other side of the ball? Because Mason Rudolph obviously wasn't very good. I thought, I thought, uh, Baker Mayfield was horrible in this game, but it goes both ways, right? There's forcing mistakes too, so I'm just kind of curious. We'll we'll think, we'll talk overall thoughts on the defense, and then maybe we'll get into some individual performances. Let's go to you first, John. What do you think of the Lions' defense in this game?
3: It's kind of been a reoccurring theme with the Lions is that they suffer quite a few injuries, but they kind of still keep trucking by. it's at a point where coming into the season a lot of people didn't really expect the defense to do that much just because they're really really devoid of talent but they have strung together some decent performances and it's really out of guys that no one expected like Jerry Jacobs in particular I thought had a pretty decent game Um, I think he might have had a Penalty or two. But otherwise, like he had a really nice tackle in the run game. Uh, he had a great uh, pass breakup to, I think, force the Browns to punt. So it's those kind of guys that when I talked about, I really want to be encouraged by like the little things. I'm not necessarily caring about the overall outcome. I think that's those are things that I like to see because Jerry Jacobs went from a guy who's basically bottom of the roster, special teamer to, you know, maybe next year he could be in line to get some starting snaps i think those are the things that really really encourage me
1: yeah i i think for me the the quarterback play is something that is so like it, it's limited my ability to properly judge his defense because the guys that are making plays like jeremy said even though he's a noted amani auraria hater uh like i mean that's a that's a play that's like Come on, what a horrible throw over the head of Jarvis Landry that just right. fell right into Oru Arie's lap. The the play where Alex Angeloni made a play and, and tipped the ball to AJ Parker. Right. Um, you know, there there was there was a lot of bad quarterback play in this game that resulted in in turnovers, um, unlike the the you know, the game against the Steelers. Um I think that what I am encouraged by is I think the Lions got some pressure in like back-to-back weeks. Like they're they're they, they've they've gotten like some semblance of of a of of a push up front on defense. Um, that it, it it needs more obviously. Yeah. Like it, it's nothing to write home about, but like I think it's something where they have at least like they've showed a little bit of that like ability to kind of and and I maybe it's just an, an overestimation of Derek Barnes, but like their sideline to sideline defense at times like looks pretty good. Like it, it it can look good at times, but then there's also times where like Charles Harris gets completely sucked in on a play. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, like, I don't know. I, you know, they did get to Baker Mayfield once today. Um, well time blitz. Yeah. For a, yeah. Well timed blitz. And that was something that I did like. And, and that's something I think, you know, passing it over to, to you, Jeremy is, I mean, how much of this belongs, uh, you know, praise to the coaching staff.
2: It's tough because I do think it's been a really bad quarterback play. And I feel like good quarterbacks probably could have blown both of these games open. Right. I'm being completely honest. I I don't think, I don't think the lines are getting enough pressure on just like regular situations. I feel like they have to send some, some of these well-time blitz and, and I asked the coaching staff last week, like what's, what's the deal with the pass rush? Why haven't we seen it in the past couple of weeks and their excuses were, and, and I don't really buy it all that much is, you know we haven't gotten into enough situations where we can send the blitz, or we can we can pass rush. You, you, the mantra they seem to be using with that room is you have to earn the right to pass rush, and to do that you need to stop the run. And to be quite frank, the lines haven't done a great job stopping the run the past two weeks. Najee Harris ran for over 100 yards last week, and and you know the, the Browns almost had 200 yards rushing against them in this game. So um, I, I I still not liking what I'm seeing from the interior offensive defensive line. Not, not a lot of disruption happening there here and there it's happening. And and lines did get into some third longs and then they did send pressure and that seemed to work. My problem is they're just, they just don't seem to be getting it on normal down. So you don't see a guy like, you know, I haven't Acquire, seen a ton huh? of, uh, yeah, yeah. Julian Acquara hasn't really had a lot of opportunities to, to pass rusher or, or beat guys. I thought Austin Bryan had a very up and down game. Sometimes I, I did see him create one pressure kind of on his own, but I also saw him got get sucked in a couple times, like you were saying. So, Defensive front not doing enough. Linebacking, linebacking is interesting with me because like I thought Alex Anzalone was pretty bad again this game. A lot it was of,
1: like up and down, up and down. Yeah,
2: a lot of missed tackles in in the run game, and then obviously, and then he comes back. I, I think they've actually been kind of okay in coverage. Like
1: that's the one thing. Like broke up that early throw to Austin Hooper. Yeah, um, and then and then tipped, tipped the, tipped a. the a. interception.
2: Parker. Yeah, and and it, it's it's tricky because. There's, I, I think they're I think they're part of the reason why other teams are so successful on the ground. Like, I, they're not getting help from their defensive front, but they're just not playing that well in terms of, like, I saw Alex Anzalone get tossed a couple times in this game. Oh, my just, like, gosh. But the time he got ran
1: over by Chubb. Yeah,
2: that too, man. Yeah. And then the secondary, like, again, mixed bag, because, like, they are making these great plays. They're getting their hands on some balls, but, like, there are also times when there's just wide open receivers that the quarterbacks are missing. And sometimes they're not even missing like, Oruari, another up and another up and down guy where like gets two penalties on one drive. And, and you can argue whether they were good penalties or bad penalties, but I'm, I'm and not we'll really, never know. We'll never know because there's not a, a good angle on it, but um, he needs to be better. I, I think Tracy Walker needs to be a little bit better. He got beat on a deep play in this game. I still think he's laying the wood on a lot of guys and he, had, he broke up a screen pass. He's still mm-hmm. their best defender. Like and i the problem is I don't think it's even close. I think he's the only one making plays out there on a consistent basis, and even even he's given up some some plays here and there now, so I don't know i if i if I had to to put a final opinion on the line's defense right now, I think it's full school. I don't think it's very good right now
1: i i it, i do I was gonna say it's kind of similar in the sense of like grading Tim Boyle's first start right it seems like you give it an incomplete grade because you feel like you really didn't get to see see it tested like you didn't you didn't see Tim Boyle go down the field same thing with like the Lions defense the past two weeks they faced Mason Rudolph and a really bad Baker Mayfield right so it's hard to grade
2: I don't know it it, but it, it Something gross. There's, there's something gross about saying that the Lions' defense was bad again today because one, they, they held the Browns scoreless. Two, they forced two more turnovers. In the second and, half, yeah, yeah, in the second half. That's what I meant. Um, they forced a couple more turnovers, which I think they had a couple last last week too. And like, they're inarguably keeping the Lions in the game. Like that's yeah. that's no question. But I just feel like if we're talking about like long term prospects of like whether they're improving, whether they can play well against better opponents. I'm not seeing that much progress. I don't feel like they're they're at a good level yet. So I, I just I don't I don't know. I'm I'm waiting and see how how it all plays out. I'm not feeling very optimistic about where they're at. But but at I, the same time, I think like, it was no talent.
3: I think it was one of their better performances of the year, which probably isn't saying that much. <laughs> right? Like I, I think in the end they did what was necessary. They held the Browns to 13. 13- points and you just need your offense to do more. And I feel that's kind of something we saw a lot in recent weeks where the defense was kind of bending, not breaking. And then the offense just couldn't do anything to actually capitalize on that. And then eventually the defense just gets gassed and then the big plays break out. right? Right. I think that's kind of what happened with the Bengals game, right. Where there were some decent drives happening, but all of a sudden, you know, just a few plays go against them and then wheels fall off and the offense can't do anything to catch up, and then it's just downhill, downhill spiral from there.
1: Well, I, I think the thing that felt like a step back this game, though, was the Lions' run defense. And I mean, Nick Chubb and, and Ernest Johnson to an extent when when they used him in in very limited role. I mean, five carries for twenty six yards. Um, but I mean, thirty six carries total for one eighty four. Um, with a long of only being sixteen, like. I thought that they were able to like chunk yards and stay on schedule. And the only time that the Browns fell, fell into a pit or fell into a problem was when a penalty would bite him in the ass. Right. And then, then the Browns were forced to throw the ball and Baker just wasn't good today. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's something that we've kind of talked about all throughout the season, especially like on all of our preview podcasts, Jeremy, like on first bite, we're always talking to, you know, somebody from the opposite team about like, you know, the Lions run game in terms of, or, you know, stopping the run game and run defense, like it's so like inconsistent. Like there's, you know, it's so emblematic of like those players that we were talking about, you know, it's a lot of up and down performances or they take one step forward and then it's two steps back.
3: Right. I think yeah. a perfect example was that uh there was a play where I think Aline McNeil got into the backfield yeah. and the running back just bounced outside and there was no one there for contain. Yeah. And I think, we, we harped a lot about how bad the Matt Patricia defenses were, but I feel like one consistent they had is that they were pretty good at setting the edge. And I feel like that has been lacking this year. And I think obviously losing Romeo Quara hurts, you know, maybe you have a different scheme, maybe not as incentivized to do that. But when you're not able to stop guys in the middle, you want to at least be able to stop them from bouncing outside. And Nick Chubb did a lot of damage just by bouncing around tackles.
2: Yeah yeah and i mean we always have to bring it back to perspective like they're, they're missing so many guys on this defense yes. in in julian in romeo aquara they, they were missing trey flowers in the game who's a guy it's great setting at the edge uh they they, they trade away or they, they don't they try to trade away jamie collins they lose jamie collins and we all know all the injuries happening in the secondary so all that you know it's important to continue to bring up just because like they they are still performing better than they should be like that's 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 really the the ultimate point we should be making. And and to go back to Ryan's original point, like they, that is a feather in the defense's cap where where the offense, I feel like, isn't performing enough with the pieces that they have. The defense is performing just about as well as you could expect with the pieces they have, even though I think the Browns had a lot of self-inflicted wounds in this game.
3: I thought Levi Onzarike was all right. He had a tip pass. He had that uh, blocked block extra, extra point. point. That's a, yeah. um, you know, I always like to see the big guys get their mitts up. So that's encouraging. For sure.
1: I was going to say like, if you, if you were to tell me that, you know, coming out of that Eagles bye week that the lions hold the Steelers to 16 points and the Browns to 13 points, would they have a chance at winning either of those games? Yeah. Like I, I would think that they probably won at least one of them.
2: Yeah. They certainly had a chance to win both. Yeah. Any other individual performances stick out from you guys? I feel like Will Harris has been quiet and that's kind of good, right? Like, we haven't I had a, on, a big like Will Harris um, sucks play in a while.
3: I, I think he was guilty <laughs> the on bar for this three shirts <laughs> I think he was guilty on one of the touchdown plays. I can't remember. Mm. I think it was either. Oh, I think um, it was
2: it was the Chubb pass. I think the.
3: Chubb I pitch. think so. Yeah. yeah, he got got bit on that. I, I'm still concerned about Harris going forward. Like especially if the Lions sure. do lose Tracy Walker in free agency, I have zero confidence in Will Harris back there. Like. I think he's still a guy you probably keep around at the very least as a, a backup guy or a third safety, but as a starter, I really don't don't like him out there.
2: That's fair. <clears throat> All right, I think we'll wrap things up there. Before we go, I do want to say we are still raising money for Rain, uh, which is one of the biggest anti-sexual abuse programs in America. Uh, during the break, uh, we we play we have a pledge for Thanksgiving, and I urge you to join us. Uh, I have pledged. I will donate $1 for every passing yard that the Lions get on Thanksgiving. And I know that might not seem a lot after after back-to-back performances by by Jared Goff and Tim Boyle, which resulted in a collective maybe 200 yards or so. Uh, but Ryan has also joined in, and he's doing the opposite, which is every rushing yard that the Lions get against the Chicago Bears. He will donate $1. I urge you to either join Team team Jeremy or team Ryan to, uh, to donate to our rain uh, charity drive for Movember. If you're wondering how to donate, you can um, visit prideofdetroit.com. Look for Ryan Santosto's mustache on the page or join us live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. We are live after the game on every, every Sunday night we'll be live on Tuesday this week um, previewing Lions Bears will also be live on Wednesday night to do a Lions Bears Madden Sim. So those are opportunities for you to donate. There are also a bunch of prizes you can win and things that we'll do if you donate a certain amount. All that information is at prideofdetroit.com. But for Ryan, for John, thank you all for joining us. We'll be back very, very soon previewing Lions Bears on that short week. But until then, it's chaos. Be kind.
0: strengthen security posture, and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to Vanta.com slash Vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot slash Vox for $1,000 off Vanta. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals.